Australian Herpticulture Podcast. How you going, Luke? Good and yourself, mate? Good, mate, good. Let's get straight into it, eh? I'll introduce the guest tonight. Yeah, same here. Tonight we've got on Janiko Kelk. How you going, buddy? Yeah, not too shabby. How about you two? Good, Very mate, good. as always. As always. Enjoying a nice beverage after a long day at work and having a chat about reptiles, so can't go wrong with that. Yeah, it's yeah. like I'm up to my third glass of wine, so if I start to like spur my words... <laughs> There's your answer. Oh, wait. Don't worry, I'm on Gentleman Jack, so we're good. <laughs> Sick. I've just got my first one, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> this could be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Might be passed out by the end of it. Yeah. Anyway, well, why don't you uh, give the listeners a bit of a rundown yourself and what got you interested in reptiles to begin with, mate? Oh, I'm sure like every one of you guessed, it was pretty much like a similar answer, like just inherently interested in reptiles yeah. it's like day dot but yeah you know, i was kind of thinking about earlier when i saw the question and i have a feeling it might be like just the pure abundance of reptiles in southeast queensland in australia because like yeah <clears throat> if you go overseas to do a bit of herping like there's some places where it's just like physically hard to find animals mm-hmm. let alone reptiles whereas where i grew up we just had like i had bearded dragons blue tongue lizards just like i think i had four or five different species of snake in the backyard and I sort of just grew up not purposefully catching them but like you just go for a walk in the bush and catch some snakes because that's what you did for fun (laughs) um and yeah it sort of never became an obsession until later on in life because like most people you sort of grew up just doing shit that you like and then all of a sudden you find out about girls alcohol and drugs and you're like all right (laughs) that will they'll take over for a bit and then um you have all those fun years and then i got really into i was in a touring death metal band for a number of years and um yeah that was a lot of fun too a lot of fun times but then during that because i was traveling a lot i was using that to go herping and this was sort of before um Facebook was a thing and everyone was just on forums. So I don't know if you guys remember APS, like Aussie. Yeah. Private, yeah. 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 There you go. It was like a complete, it's full of cancer, but there was some cool people yeah. on it. Um, and then I believe you guys know Matt Somerville and you might know Dan Lynch. Um, those two were just going on super hectic adventures around Australia looking for reptiles. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, and yeah, because I was playing a lot of music around Australia, I was using that as a platform to go herping. And then yeah. after a while, like the herping became more important than the music. So I just sort of did more of that. And then um, I found out about this job that you could get called a fauna spotter catcher. And this sort of like changed the directory of my life. Because before that, I was studying engineering. Mm. And I was like, man, I don't really want to do math for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. one, I suck at it. <laughs> and two, I'm not, I just don't really want to do it. Um, yep. But then I got into fauna spotter catching and basically what that is, is like if there's a development like a pipeline or a mine or a housing development or I don't know, anything where they want to build it, um, there are certain requirements to have people on the f- ground catching critters as they clear the vegetation. And it sounds pretty depressing and it is, um, yeah. but it's a really good way to catch animals for a living without having any like tertiary education. Um, it's good. Mm-hmm. At that point, I didn't have a degree or anything. I was just like keen on animals yeah um and yeah that sort of changed pretty much everything i was like oh this is a job like you can make this into work and then i used that to just go herping even more because it was like 
quite an okay paying job and I was basically mm. me and my fiance, my now fiance were herping all around Australia and then we started herping overseas and yeah, the obsession just got real strong from like twenty two to yeah, about now. <laughs> and yep. yeah, so then I sort of used that as a platform to go back and study ecology and now I'm an ecologist. Um but yeah. Nice. So that's sort of the whole reptile story and how I got into it. Yeah. So you kind of, when you started getting into that job is obviously and herping a bit more when you stopped keeping reptiles, you don't keep anything anymore. Oh uh, yeah. So I used to keep quite a lot of reptiles actually. And yeah. that sort of started when I was a kid as well. Cause yeah, it was bef- again before the internet and yeah, you just go out and catch something and bring it home and my parents would often just lose their shit because I would have like a bunch <laughs> of snakes and shoe boxes and yeah. Yeah. And I just wouldn't even know what they were as well. Like just a red belly in a shoe box. <laughs> and, and I, it's like, Oh yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so yeah, I do silly stuff like that and yeah. would have no idea what I'm doing. And then when APS was around and I was sort of part of that community, I was keeping a lot of animals as well. Um, and yeah, well, I was sort of saying to Luke earlier, I thought I knew what I wanted. And then I started going, what I thought I wanted was to keep heaps of different animals. Like um, I had a, held a bunch of geckos, varanids, a few lapids, and a couple of different um, pythons. Um, and then when I started herping, I was like, oh, what I actually wanted was to see a whole bunch of animals in the wild. So yeah, I just stopped keeping reptiles entirely, basically, because I just wanted to get yeah. herping. And then there was a few other things, like I was um, working away a lot, and you know, sometimes I'd be away for twenty-eight days in a row, and then be back for nine. Yeah. And it's just like it takes a little while for you to understand, but it's not really fair on the animals. Like you get back, and all the animals are in like super terrible condition, and it's quite selfish for someone just to like keep like actively basically killing animals or starving them or just not giving them yeah. the, like what they need. So yeah, when I sort of that penny dropped, I stopped keeping um, altogether and just hurt a lot, like a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So, um, but yeah, I don't really keep reptiles anymore. And like, I sort of think about keeping them from time to time yep. just because right now I do a lot of field work for my job, but I have longer periods at time time at home sorry and it would just be nice to have like a big king brown in my office or some nice land mullets in the garden but yeah like i said i'm just kind of too lazy (laughs) (laughs) what back back in the day like when you did have a lot of these reptiles what was your setup kind of like like can you just run our listeners through a bit what what, what it was like yeah it was kind of like I shoved as many enclosures in the spare room at my mum's place as possible. <laughs> and it was pretty fucking shit, to be honest. Because, <laughs> like, I would be trying to... I thought at the time they were great enclosures, but I look back on it now, they're just terrible. Like, I was making them out of plywood and... Yeah, they were barely even square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all, the, all the glass was cut off. Oh, yeah, it was like I learned how to cut my own glass. I remember that being like a huge achievement, but it doesn't help if it's not square. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was nothing like cool to look at. I did have this Mitchell's water monitor set up. That was pretty cool, though. I had like a six-foot oh, fish tank, and then I built like a canopy. that, So it made it like six-foot by four-foot by two-foot deep. Yeah, and yeah, had like a rock wall, like a fake rock wall in the background, and yeah, so that was really, I was pretty stoked on that. 
and they had like a lot of swimming room and it, that was just cool to watch because that was where i was um i don't know just hanging out in the, the reptile room looking at them swim around and be a monitor um but yeah other than that it really wasn't that special um and yeah, that's another reason i sort of don't like keeping reptiles as well um is a lot of people see them as i'm not saying you guys do it all but it's something that's very uh there's a lot of it in the states and a bit in australia where they see them purely as like items to collect yeah. rather than like oh this is like an animal that needs things yeah. um yeah and i kind of don't like that because yeah i just don't think it's like i personally don't think it's very cool um yeah I think that's something that, like, maybe earlier on in our keeping careers, Jason and I both had a bit of collectoritis. Like, there's no doubt about that in my... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you get into it and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, like, I know you with your stroughs and your your leafies and stuff was like that. You know, I was like that with monitors and stuff for a bit. And Yeah, man, I was like that too. Like, it just took me a little yeah. while for someone to say, it's like, you know, they are like individual animals. You're like, oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> They're not collecting cards. That's right. Yeah. And then you kind of find the things that you, you like the most and you kind of stick with those, I reckon. that's Yeah, you almost go. refine it. You refine yeah, your taste and then yeah. you try to yeah. give them more. And yeah. yeah, like someone pointed it out to me when like one of my friends who's a keeper in the States where they like people would buy like a giant reticulated python that can live for, yeah. I don't know, 20 years. And it's like you, there's no way like the majority who keep those animals could actually keep it as an adult mm. and give yeah, it what exactly. it needs. Same with like crocodilians. Like a lot of people will just buy an alligator or some sort of croc. And it's like, man, there's no way you're going to have a six foot animal in your apartment. Like it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. They don't think ahead. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's the same with like having a dog as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think people put a lot more thought into a dog though. Yeah. It's because they've got a lot more, um, they can talk back to you or well, they can bark back at you. Yeah. yeah. And people will be right. very upset if you start torturing a dog versus if you start torturing a snake purely because they don't yeah. understand what you're doing is not cool to the snake. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's one of those things that I suppose is probably a bit not talked about enough. And, you know, it's a good topic to bring up in something like this. And yeah, yeah. we've all been guilty of it at some point or another. Yeah. Definitely. I'm probably not the best person to talk about it as well because I kind of stopped keeping reptiles when I was like, oh, I hate this because that's what I was doing. But then I've not carried on keeping reptiles and refining it like you guys are saying and like you guys have done. So I pretty much just did the bad thing and then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> that's not uncommon though. Like I've met quite a few herpers and like one of the guys that I was away with recently in the Northern Territory was pretty much the same sort of deal. He's just like, you know, you can't like... I watch these things in the wild. I watch, you know, a, a Kimberley rock monitor and races around all this terrain. And, you know, how do you replicate that? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. It's, it's you can't. difficult or impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even like stuff like prickly, uh, what do you call it? Prickly forest skinks. It's mm. like you can give it what it wants, but it's like, man, it's pretty boring. They just live underneath mulch. Like, is that what you really want? <laughs> it's like, you might as well just chuck the animal out and just have a box of yeah. mulch. I do have a box of mulch behind me. <laughs> uh, one of my good friends, Colin, he's got the same thing. And I just like, what's it? Like, just take the animal out. You've got the same thing. But yeah, yeah. I, I always give him crap about it. Yeah, because I had them originally and then sold them to Luke. And I'm like, yeah, they're cool. But, yeah. you know, and then he's like, 
you never see him. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even yep. when I was giving him back to Jason, I was digging through the enclosure going, shit, I don't even know if this thing's still alive in here. And it like eventually burst out of the ground. I was like, okay, cool. Like it's there. Sick. It's still alive. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are very cool. I like seeing them yeah. out in the paddock. And that, that's as I'd far love as to it goes. See them in the paddock, but oh, yeah. they're surprisingly easy to find. Hey, like you just go to some wet forest in the tropics and flip some logs yep. and eventually mm. you find them. Um, yeah, they're cool though. I do really like seeing them. They are very unique. I think that's the yeah. thing that made me want to keep them. Was it's like, you know, there's just nothing else like them in Australia. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the key point. It's like there's nothing else like them in Australia because there's a lot of things very similar to them overseas. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And they all sort of fill that same niche, like wet, tropical rainforests especially near gullies and whatnot and yeah yeah it's they're fun to see like the equivalents are fun to see as well um because they're another like just group of animals that not many herpers and ecologists and wildlife photographers give a lot of time whereas i think they're just cool yeah definitely like correct me if i'm wrong but do you well do you see them in kind of like family groups almost when you're out or do you find them as just individuals um oh i've never really thought about it that way hey because like one of the good things like like do you mean prickly forest kings yeah yeah no i usually just find them by themselves um yeah okay but i'm kind of one of those how do you put it i wouldn't say i'm a yeah okay fuck i'm a ticker so i like to just find an animal and then like i don't try and find 20 of them i'll just like yeah, yeah cool. okay found it you got found a photo it. next one next species or target something else but yeah yeah which is sort of like my own demise too because you sort of just like like i live in southeast queensland it's got a pretty good diversity of reptiles but i've not gone herping locally in like six years <laughs> like yeah maybe, wow. long, maybe longer because i'm just and i feel like such a dick because i like some like uh how to put how, like younger herpers or people just getting into the hobby we're like oh do you want to come up to mount glorious i'm like i can't think of anything worse like <laughs> it's like nah i don't actually <laughs> like you can do that that sounds terrible triple a though you'll sign up for that <clears throat> yeah but even like um like the brigolo so that's like uh the brigolo belts this bioregion that starts in like central queensland down yep. into northern new south wales um, like in the western part of it, on the western side of the Great Dividing Range. Um, yeah, like I spent most of my 20s working there. So when people are like, do you want to go to the Brigolo? I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. It just reminds me of work. Like I don't want to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I've spent way too long out there. And there's like, there's still really cool things to see, but it's just, it just reminds me of work. So I don't really want to do it. Uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely felt it this year where, you know, like local herping, I was kind of like, no, I don't want to do it. Like, I know that the territory is just around the corner and nothing's going to compete for that for me. Yeah. So I was just like, I like diamond pythons. I like all these other snakes and stuff like that that are out here. But it is, I think I went, went out a few times and that was it. It is fun when, like, you get to share it with someone who's never done it. And I just said, like, yes. I hate doing it. But when I'm forced into it, like, I remember I took one of my coworkers out to find um strophorus trucks like we were working in rockhampton and i was like oh let's just do a quick drive <laughs> it was like three hours away <laughs> totally, that is a quick drive when you're totally lied to her hey and i was like yeah quick drive <laughs> um 
yeah, and I was like, let's go look for Strifer's trucks. And she, we found it, and she was like, oh, it's kind of just a brown gecko. But then we found <laughs> Nefaris Aspa, and she just lost her shit. Yeah. Like, and I was like, ah, I love this feeling. Like, this is a good feeling, uh, showing that. That was that was cool. So, yeah. yeah. And I've run a few tours where you show people, uh, not just reptiles, but, like, showing people yellow belly gliders. And, like, I've seen quite a lot of them because I did a bunch of work with them. Um and they're just cool to see, but having someone just lose their mind over it, I was like, oh, that's a good feeling. This is nice. Um, yeah, so getting to do that's always really cool. Yeah, I got, I got to experience something similar to that first up this year with Jason because Jason's pretty much never been herping before and even just seeing him see his first Burtons in the wild and you know first golden crown snake i was like this is stuff that i pretty much just walk straight yeah. past yeah and he's like losing it and taking photos and stuff and i'm like oh what this is, is cool there's something so, about burtons that people just adore and i reckon they're cool I animals love them. oh yeah, yeah they're sick i've loved them for ages but it's just like sometimes when i'm herping if i see a burtons i'm like oh first animal are you serious like <laughs> <laughs> oh this is gonna be a terrible night but then yeah showing other people burtons um, like one of my best friends, Grace, she just adores them. Like she thinks they're the best animal ever. Um, yeah, I've got a soft spot for them. Yeah, they're very cool. I like how they're sort of um, evolution's mistake, like a lizard that's got yeah. no legs but eats other lizards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's working against you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but they seem to be thriving though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying um, to think. I think I got one Burton's when we were out at the territory, but yeah, that was it. You got, got a few other things out there, didn't you? Um, <clears throat> just a tub. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you get into photography as well when you were younger? Like, is that kind? Because of, obviously, you go herping, and photography is kind of like another little side aspect to it. Like, if for people that obviously a lot of people follow you on Instagram, but for people that don't, go over and check out his Instagram because he takes amazing pictures. But yeah, is that like a thing that kind of grew hand in hand with herping? Um, yeah. So at this point, photography is like the main component of it. Yeah. Like I will go on a trip and there will be target species. So I'll, like yeah. me and my partner or whoever will plan a trip and we'll have target species. But then like next to that target species will be like how I'm going to take the photo or how I want it to look. And then yeah. I'll have a list of like ways I want this to look or like the type of styles and then the type of equipment that I need time of day, that sort of shit. So like what yeah. I'm getting at is the main thing is the, the end product the is photo. the photo. Yeah. But when I first started, um, like I remember going out on the first Brigolo trip with my mate JP and um, we were driving. We were about to, I was about to leave. He was about to pick me up in his old shitty ute. And then yeah. I, um, before I left, I went into my sister's room and just stole a camera. And yeah, I took that and I took some horrible photos. Uh, didn't even bring a memory card. So it was like a camera with like four megabytes of internal memory. Yeah. So I took like three photos and they all sucked because <laughs> I was like barely in focus. Yeah. And then again, sort of like going back to APS, I hate how much of my life like has come from that website. <laughs> um, I think everyone did back oh, then. Man, that it, was basically, it, it was like it was our social media. Yeah, like, it was where the, the community was, reptiles. even though yeah, like, so everyone just was terrible. Uh, but there was, again, yeah. very awesome people. That, like um, I met Matt Somerville off it and Dan Lynch <clears> and a few other dudes that are sort of like, yeah, been friends with them for a few years now. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, where was I? 
Oh yeah. So then I was sort of looking at Matt's photos and Dan's photos, and I was like, oh, I want to start taking cool photos purely for the record. Like it was more just like, yep, saw that. And then it just became a bit of an obsession for me to take better photos. And that's sort of how my brain works. Hey, like I will get into something and I will suck at it for a very long time and then it will click and I will yeah. excel at it because like I just become so obsessed with it. Um, yeah. And so just getting better and better and better photos and sort of started out with the standard take um, a field guide shot. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's a few yeah. people who do that insanely well. Like, Jules, I don't know how you say his name. I'm going to butcher this, but whatever. Jules Farqua? Far. Yeah, you That's know who I'm part. talking about. No yeah, one has to say the about. name. No. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it is because I know who you're talking about, but I don't know how to pronounce his yeah, name. Yeah, we'll just call him Jules. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, he takes mm. fabulous, um, what do you call it, field guide shots. Like, they're very good. Yeah. And there's a few guys. Um, in the States who do awesome shots. And then Jose Viara from Ecuador. Oh, sorry. He's from, uh, he's not from Ecuador, but anyway, that bloke, he does these awesome white background shots. And I think they're boring, but like as a photo, they're like technically oof, spot yeah. on. So anyway, yeah. my point is I sort of got into different forms of photography, like different styles and yeah, it just sort of kept going from there doing like, uh, sort of stuff that Ross McGibbon does um, with the yep. landscape and mac wide-angle macro and then moving into long exposures and yeah yeah sort of just goes on there and like I guess one of the things I I how to say this without being pompous but sort of known for is like um, like interesting lighting um, yeah using shadow like back backlighting and stuff like that yeah yeah that's something that I sort of really got into just because I think it looks sick and you can create mood really yep. well um yeah and you can accentuate certain characteristics of reptiles and like prickly forest kings would be a really good um subject for it because they've got a lot of texture to it yeah and like it's in the name prickly so um i think they would look really good <laughs> yeah backlit Definitely. look yeah. very sexy because a lot of shadow in there a lot of texture but yeah, yeah. and like this sort of what I was getting at before is like now it is the photo so I used to be obsessed with like finding as many different species as I could so I sort of set a goal for myself when I started herping was like I want to find 50 new, 50 new reptiles per year yeah um and that was a good way to start herping because you like it makes you concentrate on everything so yeah. like instead of just being like oh I just want to find varanas it's like oh I want to find all the animals because I want to get to 50 um, yeah. And yeah, when I got to about, I don't know, like 350 reptiles, I kind of, in Australia, I kind of got over doing that. I just started going out to take nice photos. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of, and I kind of like it too, because it, it means you're not harassing every animal that you see now like i yes. i will go out mm. and just like oh yeah cool brown snake i don't need to pick that up and piss it off for yep. an hour i just like there's only like a few hand like a few animals that i want to see and take a photo of um yeah i'm very selective and even if like the time isn't right um like if it's not the right part of day or i'm in the wrong part of the landscape i just won't do it because i'm like mm, there's no point i'm not going to get yeah, yeah. what i want out of this and then you won't be happy with it. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, you're sort of just annoying 
an animal for ages for no reason. And then you're wasting time too when you could be out yeah, exactly. seeing other cool stuff and having cool yeah. adventures. Yeah, you've um I love that one of the what was it? I was just flicking through your Instagram before. Um the backlit of the um so that Cayman or something? I oh think. man, that was the most hectic night. <laughs> we um so like for context, we were in um Yasuni National Park, which is like the Amazon that come Amazon basin within Ecuador. Yeah. And so we were there um as part of like a research trip, I guess. And our job was essentially just to find reptiles for the photographer to take photos for a fuel upcoming fuel guide for the reptiles of Ecuador, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that was a pretty fun job. Like we didn't get paid yeah, for it, but we got a sounds trip. pretty sweet. Yeah, it was a pre- like we basically got a free trip to the Amazon. I was like, that's awesome, sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, at the same time, like the pressure was kind of on to like find heaps of cool stuff. So yeah, it was on the last night, and like for a bit more context, we'd been herping hard every night for a month, and we were exhausted because like our sort of typical day would like you'd start at. Oh, you'd have because we're at the research station. It was a bit different because we had to get up at eight o'clock because that's when they were serving breakfast. Because it was kind of like there's yeah. dorms and then there's a kitchen because there's a bunch of researchers and uni students living there. Yeah. So anyway, we'd go out, have breakfast, and just be like super tired. Um, and then you get out, go herping till like about eleven o'clock in the morning. Stop during the hottest part of the day. Try and sleep, but it's the tropics, so you don't sleep. You just sweat. And, then, and it's like one of the wettest parts of the world so like you really don't sleep you just sweat liters of water um yeah. and then about three o'clock in the arvo you start doing your afternoon walks and you come back for dinner um at around six and then you go out spotlighting till about four in the morning and you just like do that on repeat and then so we're doing that for a month and i was getting pretty over it at the end and so yeah it was the last night and we were returning all the animals to where we caught them the night previous because we had them bagged up for the night. And it was all under permit and that sort of junk. Um, <clears throat> so I remember saying to Jasmine, like, we can't, like, stop eye shining, like, stop looking for animals because we've got a bus to take at six. Like, we've got to get out of here at six. Like, there is no... Yeah. And I want to get at least... Like, we want to at least get a couple of hours of sleep. I remember, like, walking back and I just saw this giant eye shine. I was like, fuck no <laughs> and i was like when i first saw it i thought it was a jaguar because it was like just giant eyes moving like they're gliding and i was like oh what's that and then i saw it like duck under i was like oh shit that's a caiman and um it was one of those things where like pure instinct just sort of took over both of us and like me and jasmine just like without saying anything i went downstream she went upstream and we were like both converged into the middle of it and then we grabbed it and there's a photo of me after i've just caught it and like you can see that i'm really stoked like i'm smiling but my eyes are just like i hate this because <laughs> 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 like when i caught it i was like we're not going to sleep tonight it's four o'clock in the morning and i got yeah. back to the dorms and i've like oh how did we tape up the nose i think we had like a one of jasmine's hairbands and just, <laughs> and like, so I brought it back and I knocked on Jose's door and, and he's like, what? What do you want? And I was like, here's a Cayman man. And he's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so then, yeah, we took some photos inside his room and then took it back. And I remember like being really stoked on the photos I was getting at the time because when we were 
taking photos we were sort of taking normal ones where it was like front lit sort of yeah basic 24 to 70 millimeter shot very nicely framed blah 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 blah. um but then it just sat there if it's mouth open i was like oh like what if i just do this and then it worked i was like this is sick like because there's so much texture on it as well yeah um, and the teeth the yeah the, the yeah teeth are, like illuminated and it was just like <laughs> because it just sat there and i was like all right cool i can just fuck around with this for like 10 minutes and yeah it just came out exactly how i wanted it to look when it came up yeah. to my brain yeah very few times like do i get like an image in my head and it actually comes out how you want it's always like you sort of like oh that's kind of cool but it's not how i yeah. thought of it um and that's neither bad or good it's just how it comes out but yeah that was one of the few times where i was like the idea came into my brain i was like okay translate that into a picture um and then yeah we got back to the dorms at like 5 55 we were both covered in like came in shit and snake <laughs> crap and like got back on we got on a plane and like yeah we're just covered in mud and sweat and everyone's looking at us it's pretty <laughs> erratic <laughs> yeah and then yeah i just slept like me and justin just slept for a day when we got back to the capital and um yeah that was such a fun night because um it was one of the things that we wanted to find like one of the species that we wanted to find um but kind of didn't think we would like it was just like oh it'd be great to tick that off and yeah you know getting to the last night i was like oh we're definitely not finding it and then like literally in the last hour it comes up and it's like, oh yes <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a lot of fun um but yeah that's sort of where like i think it really got a taste for backlighting as well i was like oh yeah. this can look this can look cool given the right circumstances and yeah so that was a lot of fun and it's like you don't need any other specialist gear as well like it's just the same setup same setup yeah yeah was that a was that a torch or was that a um a speed light no it was a speed light with a diffuser on it so and that was the other thing because it's such a big animal um like relative to a gecko for instance um you can hide that speed you can hide the speed light and i was like when that sort of clicked i was like yes (laughs) um so yeah it was just uh 5d mark three with a 24 to 70 on it and then um just a normal flash doesn't really matter and then it had the where is it i've got one here the speed box 40 is what i think they're called so it's just a yeah. uh, 40 centimeter speed speed box uh, yeah. user basically yeah and then it's all set off wirelessly um yeah and that's pretty much what i use for most photography as well so well most photography and then i just like interchange different lenses yeah you know there's a, a crack of that shot i remember saying that and it's like i showed my father-in-law and he's like jesus christ <laughs> yeah thanks man i was really yeah really happy with that it was um and just like sometimes you take a photo <laughs> and it it's really nice and really cool and you're stoked of it but, but the moment isn't that great like um yeah i've got this photo of a western pygmy possum and it has done really well in competitions like it's done really well but there was no planning i didn't i have no emotion connection like it was just one of those photos where i saw the animal took a shot and i was like yeah that's pretty cool let's go like there is no like yeah there's no emotional connection to it which sounds really wanky when you say it out loud but yeah is it is that the one that's in like uh like two bits of grass and it's kind of holding on yeah yeah is that the one yeah Yeah. did that get on the cover of no, Geo? Was uh, it that, that one? Oz Geo. Um, Oz Geo, And then yeah, it's on sorry, like yeah. a wine bottle somewhere, which, yeah, it, it's done well in a few different competitions, which I'm very pleased about. But again, it was like, 
I remember entering into comps. I'm like, yeah, do you reckon it'll do well? And then like, Jasmine's like, yeah, that's, that's going to do well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. I think it's because everyone can relate to mammals as well. Like people get, yeah. like, you get, you probably get more people on board with mammals, especially oh. like little, little cute things with big eyes like that. Too. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. But then it's difficult because it's like, that's not even my favorite sort of mammal. Like I really like owls yeah. and all the Dazzyurids and they look, like some of the small Dazzyurids look very uh, shrew-like with their like beady little eyes. So yeah. like, yeah, most people don't like beady eyes from what I can tell. Um, but yeah, they like it more than a reptile for the most part, which is like when you, like when people get like a reptile into a photo comp, there's like, I feel like there's a certain achievement there because you're getting people to relate to an animal that's very separated from mammals, yeah. obviously, and humans. So anyone who can get like emotion out of that is very talented um yeah i think yari cornelis like he took a fucking cracker shot of this um being a dragon um with the storm behind it and it just yeah there's a bit of, like there's something there that's very moody and people yep. relate to it which is i think i remember cool. that shot yeah yeah no he's very talented yeah there's some some awesome photographers around now it's awesome to see. Yeah, it's not. It's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all my mates too. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good for me. I like to yeah. look. No, so. it's, it's cool seeing how far it's come as well. Like, yeah. Um, especially in Australia, at one stage, it was just all field guide shots, which is, again, like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just I find yeah. it artistically kind of boring. Yeah. Um, but then you go to, like, Europe and the neotropics in America, uh, in Central and South America, sorry, and they're just taking it to another level. Yeah, it's like those tropical herping guys. Damn, they just, they make a photo look good. They make reptiles yeah. look awesome. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of, they've got a lot to work with though. So yeah, it's good. I definitely enjoy that white, the more wide angle stuff. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a lot of fun because, like, you guys have mentioned it before and like, Ross McGibbon's episode where you just get a bit more of the story involved. Yeah. But it's, like, as, as a photo for me, it's kind of, like, when I'm take, I kind of, how to put this, I'm kind of over reptile photography because it's very much, like, animal, bottom, third corner or top third corner. Yeah. Landscape. And then it's, like, it's pretty easy to make a nice photo. But it's very difficult to take like a stunning photo, if that makes sense. Mm. Like it's yeah, like it's pretty easy to set that up and make it look good. Um, so yeah, I guess that's like my next sort of challenge is like making her photography interesting for me again, because like a lot of times, uh, how do you put it? Like um, you just get into certain traps where you just take the same photo, the same settings over and over again, because you know it's going to look alright. Yeah, and yeah. Like, while it comes out with an all right photo, you're sort of not pushing yourself anymore to take something interesting. So, yeah, it's one of the reasons I stopped taking reptile photos and got into mammals because I was a bit more involved in finding mammals and taking cool photos of them. Yeah, talk us through a bit of that because you've gone quite heavily into the mammal photography and the bats as well, I've noticed. Um, yeah, so it started sort of that feeling that I was just talking about where I was kind of yeah. a bit over it. Not to the point that I like don't like herping anymore, but just, I don't know, I was just kind of getting 
bored with that. Like I was saying yeah. before, I like I get really obsessed with something, so I got really obsessed with taking like macro photos, and I got really obsessed with like wide angle macro, like getting that landscape. And then I just kind of like needed something else to get yeah better at. So anyway, I didn't have a job for a little while, and I was on <laughs> I was on Flickr <laughs> and Instagram for ages, just looking at all these shots. And um, this bloke named Johnny Armstrong came up on Flickr. And he just had all these photos of large carnivores, uh, like uh, mountain lions and um, shit. I'm having a mind blank. Uh, bobcats and all these sort of um, meso carnivores, like uh, different types of stoats and pie martens and whatnot. And they're just really intimate shots. Like it felt yeah. like it was that wide angle shot, but of like a large carnivore. And I was like, how is he actually? doing like how does he actually do it like is he just yeah. sitting there for like weeks on end waiting for that like one special moment um and then i started like diving deep into a bit more of his art and use using dslr camera trapping which like is essentially pretty easy to um explain it's the no sorry i just had to burp from wine um <laughs> it was, it's basically a dslr or a mirrorless camera connected to a motion sensor with remote um, flashes, but you leave it out in the bush for like a month or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, so arrogantly, I was like, yeah, fuck it, I can work this out and thought I'd get it all together pretty quickly. And it took me a year to get like, once I got all the gear together, because I had like, again, I wasn't working, I was just doing fuck all really. Um, yeah. I was, I was having one of those moments. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know what to do myself. Um, and yeah, so I got all the gear together eventually and I was like, righto, I'm going to start. Because like, what I really wanted to do was to take photos of clouded leopards overseas. And I was like, oh, maybe I should practice on something before I drop a bit of cash. Yeah. <laughs> and go overseas. Yeah, I was like, maybe I should actually try this out. Because like, oh, man, I've done this before where like, I've bought all this gear and then just assume that I could like work it out real quickly. Like I bought a whole bunch of underwater photography gear and I was like, nah, I'll just work it out on the day. And like <laughs> went to Galapagos Islands, sucked at it. I was like, mate, not only do I suck at underwater photography, but I suck at swimming. So like. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of go handy. Yeah, they hand, go handy. So. Hand. It's one of those things where I didn't care enough like to get better at five of them. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that was a complete waste of money. So anyway, back to the camera trapping. I was like, maybe I should practice this. And I was like, what's the equivalent of like, you know, a mountain lion or a snow leopard or something here in Australia? And like the closest thing we got is quolls. So I got like super obsessed with quolls for a year and just started trying to get photos of them. And it was really fun because um, it sent me pretty much to the four corners of Australia. Like I went to the Pilbara to do it. I went to... yeah. Um, Southwest WA, which is a bit of a fail because I didn't get any photos there. But then it also took me to like the central deserts of Australia, um, far north Queensland, and then down into Tassie and the Granite Belt just to get these photos of quolls. And yeah, some of them worked out really easily because I was working with like other scientists and NGOs to get the photos. Um, yeah. And then spotted tail quolls, uh, that was the bane of my existence. And I thought it would be really easy because like they exist. Um, like their distribution only starts a few hours away from my house. It's only like, like in terms of herping, it's only a few hours away. It's like just down the road. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I left them to last because I was like, I can do this 
on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me six months. And it was wow. like, far out. This is so mentally challenging. Um, but yeah, when you finally get that shot, it is, um, yeah, it's like Christmas times 10. And it I'll, would be, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird too because, so I remember getting the shot. It was um, just after the Black Summer. So that was 2020, just after the bushfires ravaged like yep. Eastern Australia and Southeast Australia. And I was um, at this private reserve owned by South Endeavour. They're like a mini bush heritage. So like their whole thing is they buy up parcels of land and they just um, conserve it. For, sorry, they just manage it for um, conservation. Yeah. Anyway, they got in touch with me and said, oh, do you want to take some photos at one of our reserves that have just been burnt? And I was like, yeah, love to do that. So I went down and like the whole property was just, it felt like a bomb had gone off. It was actually quite, wow. yeah. I was not expecting it to be that depressing. Um, yeah. And so anyway, um, I was setting up a few cameras and wasn't really expecting to get anything. Um, so I set them up, not really hoping anything. And then just by happen chance, the ABC rocked up that day because they wanted some interviews with South Endeavour just to like get an idea of like the destruction that's just gone through all these private reserves because he's got about 20 of them and like seven of them were destroyed yeah. basically. Um, yeah. And so they worked out what I was doing and like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Do you mind if we come check your cameras tomorrow morning? I was like, oh, yeah, you can, but like I might not get anything. Hey, I've been trying to do this for six months and like I've not got a photo. And they were like still real keen. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So we got to like the first two cameras and of course it was super disappointing. And by that time, they were sort of over it because it's like a bit of a walk to get to each camera. And so by the third yep. camera, they sort of just went down the pathway and didn't really bother with me. And they were interviewing um, another ecologist there, actually, who manages the park. And um, <laughs> I, like, remember going up to the, my camera and I could see it. it's been knocked over. I was like, oh, fuck, a quoll's been here. It's knocked everything <laughs> over. And these things take, like, an hour and a half to set up because, like, you've got to get it perfect. So when an animal walks into frame. Tests and stuff. Oh, yeah, it does your head in. Especially when you set it up and you forget to turn something on. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do everything except for like turn the on button on. Um, yep. So anyway, I, I saw it on the ground. I was like, well, this is fucked. And then it opened up the the camera housing and there's like, you could see like three photos it taken. And I was like, oh, it's going to be nothing. And the first two photos were just like black because the camera was facing up. And then there's just like this perfectly framed spotted tail quoll lit up you could see ash in the background but like a little bit of green coming up and i just flipped out screaming and like they're doing this interview in the background and there's just like a like an australian guy in the background like holy fuck god <laughs> just screaming <laughs> and they're looking at me like oh, what's going on here what's he going yeah, yeah. Like, i've got it <laughs> just screaming <laughs> and so anyway they came up and it was just like yeah with that whole context it was just yeah it was a really good feeling especially after six months of trying and like having that mental fatigue with the fires in the background too like it was nice to know that quals even existed in that landscape so yeah yeah that was cool and um yeah i was really stoked on that as you can tell yeah as you would be what's it like leaving your gear out there though for like a yeah. month at a time um, yeah. the first few times it was terrifying <laughs> yeah like it's a lot of money just to be leaving yeah like, i mean it kind know, of like, is and it isn't and this is like yeah. maybe a sign of how like bougie australia's become because <laughs> it's only like like my setup for camera trapping is about 1500 bucks 
but in yeah. terms of like photography like my main camera is like four or five grand so it's yeah. not it's a lot of money like i'd be very upset if it's gone but it's also like okay in relative to the rest of my stuff it's not that bad yeah um yeah and the other thing i do is like um i work a lot with private landholders like i don't like leaving my cameras in national parks national parks mm. yeah one because like someone can steal it but also like there's a permitting part of this whole thing like there's a bit of a gray area of ever like setting up camera traps for art, like for, for photography is the same as setting them up for science and if you set anything up for science you need to permit for it so i just oh, okay. avoid national parks for the most part unless i'm working with like some other scientists who have those permits yeah because um, they're very specific like even the ones i have for work don't cover national parks which yeah so usually unless there's someone else around that i can work with and work under their permit i generally don't work in national parks i just go to private landholders and that way you can sort of like ensure it's that a it's a little not, bit safer. yeah it's much safer like <clears throat> yeah yeah so because like one time i set up a camera in sumatra because i was there for uni and i just like went off for a walk and set it up during the day and didn't tell anyone i was just like oh, i was going for a walk and um one of the national park rangers saw me and I don't know how it got to this, but like immigration got involved. <laughs> like, like I remember being like at the like the uni dormitory in Sumatra, and like all these officials came up, and I was like, "Who the fuck's in trouble here? What's someone done?" And it was like, "It was me." <laughs> and, yeah, that was pretty. Um, yeah, that was confronting. So anyway, yeah, don't do that. Um, I'm sure, like it wouldn't. Like I don't think anyone would actually get in trouble in Australia, but yeah, you, I just try to not do it um but yeah so anyway it doesn't really freak me out anymore because i've put my traps through like some pretty rough weather like they can go through a torrential storm and be okay um yeah sandstorm is probably the worst thing that can happen but even then it's like it's fixable you just need a what do you call it um air compressor you know a lot of time <laughs> so, yeah yeah, it's fine. A lot of patience. Yeah, a lot of patience and a lot of just swearing at your cameras. And yeah, and that's the other thing about camera trapping is it teaches you a lot of patience because, like, if you do reptile yeah. photography, it's like the payoff is almost immediate. Like, yeah, animals. you can see it basically as soon as you take the picture, yeah, especially with digital. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's like, that's kind of the hardest part about camera trapping is like, there's no immediate, like, you don't get that dopamine hit <laughs> like, straight away. Yeah. So, yeah yeah once you get past that like i've got some camera traps set up right now and i'm just trying to forget about it so thanks for bringing up photography tonight um. <laughs> <laughs> well can i just ask like because i know nothing about camera trapping what sort of gear is actually involved in there because I'm, I'm assuming that you've got some sort of like extensive battery or something like that to be able to operate yeah. a camera for such a long period of time um so i got into it at the exact right time when this company called Kentraptions um started um and basically it's like a one-stop shop for camera trapping um so it's some right. bloke he's a english fellow william luke Burrard is his name he's a very good photographer um he got in he moved to africa and south africa sorry and just wanted to get photos of large carnivals in that intimate setting i was talking about earlier um so he started making his own motion sensors but he's just like 
monetize the shit out of it. And it's really cool because it's like it means people like me who are pretty dumb when it comes to electronics um, can have like a motion sensor that just plugs into your camera. So like the motion sensor is about like 200 or 300 bucks and it lasts for about a month in the field and it's got all these different programs depending on what you want to do. Like you can have like three shots per trigger. You can only have like, or you can have it like only trigger at night or only trigger at day, blah, 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 blah. There's all these different things you can do. Um, and then like most DSLR cameras and even mirrorless cameras, they last about a like two weeks to four weeks on sleep mode. Yeah. Okay. So like if you're not taking, like, and obviously it's dependent on how many photos you take. Um, so yeah, like most cameras will just sit there quite happily on sleep mode. Um, but then like the hardest thing is getting the flashes to work and yeah, that's like another whole conversation and it's just a lot of fucking around with different batteries and it's another part of it that I like. Um, even though I said I was like terrible at making reptile enclosures, I kind of like the DIY component of all my hobbies. So like, yeah, you know, making extended battery packs and waterproofing stuff, like I kind of like that part to it it's just an extra challenge like you just have to make those ones square so yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've got past that i bought a square like yeah the waterproofing is probably the biggest thing with that yeah you just buy like a pelican case um yeah most tupperware containers man they're waterproof they're pretty good yeah as long as you don't put them in a creek there which happens like one of my mates was trying to (laughs) camera trap water rats um, and it just drowned his whole enclosure, like, because he lives in the tropics, and he like just yeah. moved up there and didn't realize if it rains, like it really rains. It's rain. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a sprinkle. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like four foot of water. Hey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he lost a bit of money then. Oh yeah, over a stun. Insurance. <laughs> sure yeah. That pays off. <laughs> um but yeah so that's kind of like that set up and then i've got a batch set up which is different again so yeah i won't speak too much about mammal photography because it's not everyone's thing but um basically for bats you've got like a high speed motion sensor connected to five or four to five different flashes and then it's like a very specific situation and I don't recommend many people get into bat photography. <laughs> Not because it's difficult, but because like you can really stress out the bats to the point that they like abandon a roost. And it's big, like I, I work a lot with bats professionally. Yep. So I kind of know how far I can push it, mostly because I've had a lot of people like smack me over the head. Um, so yeah, so yeah, anyway, it's a motion sensor connected to like five different flashes. Um, and then I've got a camera like continually taking like long exposures. So anytime yeah. like a microbat flies through the sensor, it fires the flashes and freezes it in the frame. Yeah. And so yeah, like it's kind of cool too, because the other thing I like about camera trapping is it's like a lot of people are like, oh, that's really hard work. And it's like, it kind of is, but like after you set it up, like you can just go have a beer. <laughs> like, so, yeah. <laughs> it's Enjoy like, it. yeah, like I've got like a, two cameras set up in the granite now and I'm just here talking to you guys having a bottle of wine. And it's like, yeah, I'll come back to my camera this weekend and have some like, hopefully have some cool photos. So yeah, there's kind of that part to it as well. Like I'm not killing myself every day, which, which is nice. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. That's always a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. 
But like, is that a thing that you guys like about herping? Um, is like how intense it can be? Like, do you like the intensity of herping? I do personally. Yeah. 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 I'd like the whole thing of it. Yeah. What's like, what do you get out of it that you like the most, I guess? My biggest thing is probably going to the environment and just seeing what information I can bring home. Like, obviously, there's the thrill of the hunt of actually finding the animal in the in the environment, but I like feeling it. You know, like the, the first time that I went to the territory and I actually felt like the sorry, the second time that I went, this like down in uh, Alice and stuff like that, and feeling the heat and stuff that like the the gillons being my favorite monitor were exposed to. Like, I was like, okay, well, I can take this information home and see how I can incorporate this into you know, my keeping capabilities and stuff like that. and Yeah, when you realise that 40 degrees, like, mm. surface temperature is actually nothing. Yeah. 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 Like, when when we went uh, most recently and we actually did get a, a Gillens and I was sitting down under a tree and feeling like my brain was physically cooking, I was like, man, these guys are exposed to so much, you know. Like, mm. I, I... And Tyson said it perfectly when he came on the podcast, that recap. It's almost like they're trying to get cool not get hot yeah you know? and yeah it's it like that that just triggered me i was like oh that is exactly right you know like yeah we, i could pump more heat in here if i wanted to but is that actually what they want yeah because like if you like when you're water spotting you spend a lot of time putting your hands down hollows and they are like it's like a tree with aircon inside it like they are very mm. cool and humid and then <clears throat> again if you're looking through hollows like a lot of the hollow parts so the hollow limbs so you have like layers within the hollow and it's kind of mm. like when you have like a tile set up in an enclosure where it's just like different layers mm. yeah and so it's like they will have like parts in the hollow where it's like oh this is a nice 34 degrees here this part of the day and then they'll move around inside the hollow like very yeah. rarely do they actually need to come outside and bask all the time because it's just yeah. so hot or like cool enough in certain parts yeah it's yeah, that's like one thing I really got out of fauna spotting is like you start to understand like how animals actually use like their micro environment, I guess. Yeah, and and that like it's one thing to read something in a book that somebody else has written, and it's one thing to kind of you know hear it from another keeper or whatever like that, but to feel it for yourself and see stuff for yourself, like that's the biggest takeaway for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like obviously you get the memories of it all. You get the memories of being so sleep deprived. You don't know what time of day it is and what you're doing. And you're just trying to drink as much caffeine so you can keep going. But at the same time, it's just like that. It's a fucked hobby. Hey, like when you tell yeah. people about it, so it's like, Oh, so you don't sleep or shower or eat. And you're like, yeah. yeah. And you're looking for reptiles. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's just like when I told someone, it's like, yeah, I drove for like 22 hours to get to this spot and we're just out looking for taipans. Like, have you slept? I'm like, Oh, a little, like, Shouldn't you do like be sort of prepped for that? I'm like, well, I guess you're right. I never really thought of it that way, to be honest. Oh man, I, I just remember humming down some of those roads towards like, uh, you know, like Tennant Creek and stuff like that, and looking at Luke, and Luke was driving the whole time, and his eyes are like bugging out of his head. He's steering the car at 130 k's with his knees, and he's eating yeah. sunflower <laughs> seeds, just trying to keep awake. I'm like, this is fucked. Like, you know, like yeah. we're just trying to get to this spot so we can find this species or whatever, but. And it's yeah. like oh, one of the greatest things is it's universal too. Like I've yeah. been lucky enough to go herping with people from all over Australia, over the world, and it's everyone's the same. Everyone's like the it's the intensity that they like. Yeah. And yeah. like that's the thing I love about herping is like the more input you put in, like 
the more you try, the better your output's going to be. Like the more you're just going to find. Whereas like if you go mammal watching, like for instance, if you're looking for greater gliders and they're just not out, it's like there's not, like you can't do anything else. It's just like, oh, we'll just go to bed. Whereas if like <laughs> there's not many reptiles out on the road one night, for instance, you're like, all right, let's just go eye shining. And if they're not out eye shining, it's like, we'll just go flip some rocks. Like there's always yeah. a way to find something something it's like so you're like your input or your effort like really matches your output yeah and yeah like i love that part to it because it's like you can just herp for months straight without having a break and just be finding stuff the entire time and it's oh it's rewarding but also like it's a very good way to go insane yeah oh there's like i remember that weekend that jason was supposed to come looking for leaf tails and i ended up kind of like proxying in for him with todd and um yeah, we were like found found a KDA or something and we kind of drove like a few hours to a different direction in the granite belt and we were like trying to find Yberba. And uh, it was like three in the morning. It was so cold. I didn't actually <laughs> think it was going to get that cold there. It was like starting to rain and we we're like climbing around these granite boulders. And like I remember just falling down one, and like getting stuck in this crack, <laughs> like banging up my elbow. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It just, oh. But it was like, but I loved it. You know, yeah, like you brilliant. come out of it and you go, this is, once you have a sleep after that, you're like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. yeah no, I really do enjoy it. Um, it's like the one thing I miss about herping is like how intense it can be all the time. Yeah. And yeah, yeah doing it for like when you explain it to people, it's like, you do that for fun, right? Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you guys like when you go herping, are you more looking for like, how do I, so how do I explain it? So when I go herping or looking for animals, what I really enjoy is looking for species that are hard to find and formulating a plan around it so it's like for instance i'll put it in context of crayfish because i got really into freshwater crayfish this year yeah. for no particular reason but there's a lot of those species where they don't tell you actually where to find so you're going to read like the description yep. paper and they sort of tell you roughly rough. yeah like the like yep. what the environment is and what you need yeah and so like i put that on a map i'm like all right i reckon they're about here and just because like the like the um the experience i've had before I'm like i reckon like it's gonna be in this section like if and most scientists are kind of lazy they don't want you to think that but most scientists are kind of <laughs> lazy so you look for like the creek that's closest to the road yeah and yeah so you're like i come up with a plan go out into the paddock when it works it's like oh god that's good and like another example of this was um Strophorus, not trucks, the other one. Chainier? No, 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 it's like oh. recently. Oh, the Congo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was reading the paper and again, it's like a pretty broad, like they don't tell you exactly where it is. And um, I was like, oh, I've been around where that, where they're describing is. And so we drove out to it. I was with my mate Colin and it's like we got to the spot and you what you're looking for is like spin effects hills um like real skeletal so like just rock not much topsoil and you're looking mm. for like really sparse vegetation but the key thing is like spin effects tufts like they need that interconnected spin effects of mixed different ages so like it can't just be like pure old growth spin effects but it needs to have like young spin effects and old spin effects all interconnected in ways Anyway, we got out there and I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> like, it's just been chewed out and burnt. <laughs> and like, 
so I spent like a few hours going up to the steepest part of the hills where like um, like cattle couldn't get to. You'd have yeah. like bits of like spin effects, old growth spin effects, and that interconnected tufts that I was talking about. That was still there, but it wasn't just it wasn't vast enough. It didn't cover the landscape, so we didn't find it. So anyway, we went back to the drawing board and literally just spent some time looking at Google Maps and trying to work out how to get to other spots. And the following weekend, uh, we went for another long drive. And yeah, like we got to, I remember driving over this hill and it's a pretty hectic drive. Like you need a pretty good four-wheel drive and I wouldn't recommend going with one car. Um, just because if you get stuck, like you're, yeah. you're pretty stuck. <laughs> so anyway, we got there and we went over this hill and like, I remember all three of us, like me, my partner, and Colin, all looking. He's like, "This is it. Like, this is the spot. Like, it's got those perfect hills. Um, it's all skeletal soils, and like those tufts are there." And so we sort of sat down and waited for it to get dark, had a few beers, and just chilled out. And like, I remember turning on my torch and walking up the hill. Within like two minutes, we all found one. It's just like, oh, <laughs> dopamine hit. Thank you. Like, yeah. it, it's so good. Like, just <laughs> like having it pay off. Like, working yeah. it out. So I sort of love that whole working really hard for one species. But yeah, what like what do you guys like? Do you like That's, coming up yeah. with a list or like what's what's it come? I've got a list and it's probably because so, I'm obviously obsessed with leaf tails. So my goal is to photograph all the leaf tails. <laughs> yes, that is the best. So yeah, that's yeah, that's my my list pretty much. Yeah, and obviously chameleon geckos as well up in the <clears throat> North Queensland, but. Yeah, so there's obviously the same thing. Like, you don't know any locations for them, so you've got to read the papers and kind of plan around yep. areas of where they are, kind of thing. So, and some of them are a bit tricky to get to, kind of thing as well. So, yeah, are you yeah. looking at all the pelurus as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> get ready to do some walking. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've been read, doing a bit of reading, and I've obviously been chatting with Luke and a couple of other people that are obsessed with them as well that want to get some pictures and stuff. So yeah, <clears> I got to work out all that stuff. So. Obsessed with Phalaris for a little while too. Like yeah, that. actually, I, you kind of—I I was already obsessed with leaf tails, but you and Jasmine, like your pictures, were kind of like, nah, I want to take pictures <laughs> like those, find <laughs> them and take those pictures. So thanks, man. But, um, yeah, so. That's yeah. that's that's my pretty much my thing, and obviously I'm a gecko nut. So well, do you I have do like that, specific gecko genuses that you like apart from Phalaris and Solterius, or um, Strifurus? I want as well, but yeah. just anything. Like I love them all. I'd yeah. love to. I'd love to eventually just tick off all the geckos in Australia. Well, I don't know that'd be hard, but yeah, that that would be know. very impressive. Too. Like yeah, I don't know anyone who's done that. Even just finding all the strokes. Is pretty yeah yeah like what's but that? even all the gyras and like oh. you know all the te- like the tetellas and stuff like that like yeah I forget know. about them I just sort of like, yeah <laughs> I was like yeah throw that out the window so, <laughs> yeah they're probably I'd, I'd be happy to not find some of those ones but you know all the other stuff like yeah I've yeah. just always been obsessed with with geckos so yeah <laughs> I do like finding strokes like every time we go somewhere it, there's a big component of it looking for almost yeah. kind of lesser known strokes. Um, yeah, that's one thing I'd love to do as well. Yeah, it gets like they're pretty good as well because, um, like the way they sit on branches is yeah, like it's really very photogenic. Yeah, well, it's really obvious to find them too, like because they yeah. they don't like if you're looking for Gahira, um, when you put them in your torchlight, the first thing they do is like shimmy behind a tree. So like if something moves really quickly, you're like, oh, that's a Gahira. But if something yeah. sort of sits there and just stays, you're like, oh, that's 
probably something cool. And then, yeah. like, there's another, like, Adura. Like, they sort of sit there for a bit. And yep. then they move, and you're like, all right, that took a bit longer than a Kahara. So, you're like, you can sort of tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it's fun when it pays off, too. Like, when you have, like, these inklings, you're like, yep, that's something sick. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely my muse is geckos. So. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had, like, a plan as such. You know, like, I mean, I'd have a rough plan. I'd have a rough plan of, like, things that I want to see, but... I've never been the person to sit down and like do the paper research. Yeah. Um, it is probably something that I'd get into in the future, but yeah, I just haven't kind of done it that way. I've kind of just gone or I'll put myself in the, the right sort of vicinity and kind of wing it. But yeah. I feel like that's actually a good way to do it too. Cause the way that me and Jason were talking about it, whilst you can find a lot of stuff and like you can streamline it, you sort of, um, you put a, you put blinds on your eyes because like you're only doing that one thing. Yeah. Whereas like a mate of mine, um, Ben Revel, he just goes for walks. Like he just go, yeah. like just goes herping, and I'm, <laughs> which is bizarre to me. He just like, just goes for a walk, but then he just finds like <laughs> heaps of stuff that you don't think should be there. Um, like I was listening to a Steve Wilson episode, and he mentioned the the guy who found leaf tail geckos on Mount Glorious. Yeah, yep. that was Ben. And oh, was it? Yeah, oh, so okay. it's like we yeah. were chatting about that prior to him finding it, and I was like, "There's no way they're up there. Like, you're an idiot." Anyway, yeah. he told me wrong, <laughs> and like everyone else, too, just because he went for a walk and started looking up fig trees, and he, and he's done that a few times with things where yeah, I was just like, "Man, I am actually quite surprised what you found." Like that is, and it's such a like cool way of going herping too, because like you talk to some of the older guys, like. Like before yeah. Facebook and Aussie Pythons and forums and like databases where you can easily get a academic paper, um, they just went for a drive into the middle of fucking nowhere yeah. <laughs> and then looked for stuff and just found all this in, insane stuff. Like I met the bloke, the guys who discovered um, Ferranus Kingorum. And wow. the way they found it is they went, I, I might be paraphrasing here, so if I get this wrong, um, <laughs> they were at a roadhouse and they went at the back of it and there was like a bin and they just saw like, the bin was like behind some rock shale and they just saw some like random monitors hiding underneath the, what do you call those big bins called? The Skip bins? Yeah, or it was underneath the, big... the skip bin. <clears throat> And then it went into the rocks and they're like, that's something different because they were out there collecting animals for the museum. And that's yeah. how they found it. They were just like putting shit in the bin. And it's like, <laughs> fuck, you know, like that's so cool, dude. And yeah. it's like, I mean, those days are sort of over where you just find new, new species, new species like just by going for a drive to the middle of nowhere and like purely yeah. just having a look. But yeah, yeah I, I kind of admire people who just go look because I don't do that because I'm a bit too focused yeah I, I, yeah I think it's just one of those things where I haven't just had the time to really put my thoughts into it so much I'd like to do that for a few things but at the same time I just figure well I, I, and, and again I'm probably looking for things that are probably a little bit less obscure than like let's say Phileris, Phileris or whatever for example like you know yeah I think that's just the way that I've done it in the past and you know I've been pretty lucky recently where I've just put myself with the right people who've done who've done the research. Mm. So. But it's it's it does bring you to new spots though. Like 
I find a lot of people just go to the same places over and over yeah. again. Like, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. Like, I'm not paying out on people because I do it all the time. Like, I'll message like Matt or Ross and I'm like, oh, can you give me a bit of hand finding this species? And they'll like just give me a GPS point and I'll go to it. And it's like, of course I found the animal. It's like I went to the spot that other people find it. And like, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that, but it sort of takes the hunt out of it, as you, you were saying before, yeah. Luke. But also, like, so a big part of, um, like, herping and, like, wildlife watching for me is the adventure of it. So, for instance, you can go to the Atherton Tableland, and it's really cool if you've never been there before because it's, like, just a biodiversity hotspot and, like, everywhere you fucking look, there's animals. But yep. it's almost, like, too easy because it's bitching in road everywhere. Like... You can just yeah. go to a spot. There'll be people with a camera and you're like, oh, yeah, obviously that's where the tree kangaroo is. Oh, here's mm. a platypus viewing area. This is where the platypus is. It's like everything's sort of done for you. Like there's no adventure yeah. to it. Whereas like one of my funnest trips was um, we were looking for ghost bats um, in it's a South Endeavour uh, reserve called uh, King's Plains. And... <clears throat> Um, it's just so out of the way and then you get to the roost. So you got to, like, sorry. So you got to get to King's Plains. It's like Cooktown. So getting there is not very hard. But then, like, to drive to the actual, like, to get on the road to the nearest point to the limestone roost is, like, an hour and a half of just, like, fucked all the driving to the point I was like, we're going to destroy this car. But then you yeah. get there and then it's like, well, it's an, like a couple of hour walk and I've got, like, 20 kilograms of bat photography gear on me. And then you're trying to get to this cave and there's no map, there's no track. Like you're just going off like topographic aerials. So then yep. you get that and then you've got to find the right exit in the roost. And so by that, you've got to look for like, that's like ghost bats when they feed, they'll catch something, come back to the roost they're in and like they'll eat at the front of it. So you just find like bits of dead animals. And so like you've wow. got to find that and it's like this whole adventure was so much more rewarding than and i didn't even get that good of a photo like it was like it's cool but it's not amazing but then like that was way more rewarding than getting that photo of the western pygmy possum because like that had no planning there was no adventure involved it was just a really nice photo but yeah i look at that ghost trip ghost bat trip so fondly like that was like the exact right amount of adventure where i wasn't gonna die but it was like a lot of fun and a bit off the track and not many people have done it. So yeah, that, that it's, it's getting really difficult and I'm, I sound like really arrogant, not arrogant, what's the word? Um, I'm most selfish where I can't just enjoy myself. Jaded, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Where I can't just go <clears> for a fucking drive and look for animals and be happy. Like there has to be this facet of it that's like difficult. But that might have also come from doing it for so long you know like you've been doing it longer than say someone like me like I've, I've kept reptiles for years but i've never heard much so i get that enjoyment just jumping in the car going for a cruise yeah cruise I, I think you're you know, right like, i think there's a part of it that's that as well but then like even talking to my mate ben who can just go out for a drive like and he's been doing it for years as well he yeah. just goes out for a drive and enjoys himself yeah, yeah. just enjoys himself what a bastard um, <laughs> <laughs> he has a youtube channel doesn't he ben yeah yeah I he think, does yeah. yeah he's got some cool yeah, videos i've watched a few of his few of his videos yeah it's cool how that's becoming a thing now like yeah like it used to just be like everyone would have like 
an online presence on forums and then it got to Facebook and then it got to Instagram. Instagram, yeah, and now, now it's YouTube. Yeah, and TikTok. I don't really I'm gonna sound so boobish. Yeah, um, yeah like <laughs> too old for TikTok. It's like I think that boat sailed. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I, I tried it once and I was like, what the fuck is going yeah. on here? <laughs> like I feel oh, I wouldn't have to use it. <laughs> yeah, it's but yeah, my partner, she's on it with her flying foxes and people love that. But yeah, yeah I've just because I've I've started making small videos um and i'm finding that process pretty fun too because it's mostly just like uh behind the scenes of like what it takes to get a specific shot or look for a specific animal yeah um and like i really enjoy the story telling component of it which yeah no it's it's fun but it's like as you guys know it's like it's very time consuming (laughs) oh yeah 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 doing a minute of like video is fucking a long time <laughs> yeah it's a long, longer than a minute <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's a long longer than a minute that's for sure yeah why don't you tell us about your new um little venture that you're you're on to now yeah so um this sort of sport so, so yeah i should tell you what's cool it's called um natural australia expeditions yeah um and it sort of spawned from me and my mate jono um, is that John Jono from Hurt Books? Yeah, Jono Lucas. Yeah. yeah, he's a good boy. Yeah. He's a cool dude. Um, so his now ex-partner, we were sitting down and she was like, oh, you guys should do videos of like your adventures. People would really get into it. And I was like, no, <laughs> not doing that. Um, yeah. I'm not, like there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just not really into videos of me doing stuff if that makes sense like i don't want the video to be on me um bit like me (laughs) yeah yeah it's a bit it's i don't even know what it is because like i say that but then i've just spent like five minutes saying i'm making small videos of myself (laughs) so yeah um anyway um we got chatting and we and john were trying to work out like how we can make this a bit more rewarding for us and so there's another component where it's like, I hate it when people talk about say the inland Taipan and the thing they only talk about is like, it's the most venomous snake in the world, which it is like, that's yeah. not incorrect or anything, but it's yeah. like the actual natural history of it is way more interesting. The fact that someone found it and it went missing for nearly a hundred years. And then Jeanette, Kirk, oh, I'm going to butcher this name as well, Kovovich. Um, and another bloke, I can't remember his name, went out to look for it. And one of the things they did was like get a sack of rats and tie it behind their car. <laughs> so like it would attract <laughs> snakes to the road. Didn't yeah. work that well, but they eventually caught one. And like there's just this whole other part of like that story that's way more interesting than the fact that they're like hugely venomous. And then there's another component of it where like long-haired rats come into it. So long-haired rats are like, they call them plague rats and yep. like they plague every eight to 10 years, especially when there's a flood, which is happening right now, like a La Nina event. And they're the driver like of that whole region. Like, so when they start plaguing, there's just fucking snakes everywhere. And so like right now there's, you'll be seeing there's heaps of people flying inland taipans and it's because like, A, we've worked them out, but B, like these inland, oh, sorry, these long haired rats are starting to like yeah. pulse and like, there's that other part of the story that's like yeah just really interesting um 
But yeah, most people just focus on the fact that they're like super venomous and it's just like, yeah, it's cool. But like this other part of it is really cool. And yeah. so that was something that we really wanted to share mm -hmm. just because like I've got that background knowledge as an ecologist and Jono's got it as an ecologist and someone who's just like freakishly obsessed with herps. And like you said, he owns herp books. So he's got like a lot of natural history books just laying around. Yeah. Um, and then so we started putting some proposals together to get some funding. Um, and one of the, we're trying to find something that was local, well, local-ish, um, so we could sort of do it on a weekend. And we sort of stumbled on the Merry River Turtle. And like, that has a few cool parts to its natural history. So like right now they're critically endangered. They only live in the Merry River Turtle, uh, Merry River, obviously. Um, but like there's this, like, yeah, they're endangered from land clearing and climate change is obviously going to fuck them up. But there's yeah this whole other part where it's like in the early, I should know more about this because it's my project, but it's like <laughs> in the early 70s, um, they were rocking up in pet stores in uh, Victoria and like local herptologists and ecologists were like, what is this species? Like this is an undescribed species. Where is it coming from? And all the poachers and pet traders wouldn't tell like where they were actually collecting it. So mm -hmm. from like for a decade, about a hundred thousand turtles, I'm paraphrasing here by the way, um, were getting poached from the wild and no one knew where they were coming from. Um, so John Cairn made it like his personal mission to go up every single creek system up and down the east coast until he found it and i think it took him like 10 years and it's like yeah he eventually found it was in the mary river and it's just like yeah and like i don't know if anyone like i'm sure most people listen to this understand who john can is but yeah. i don't think people know like how much of a freak he is like yeah like apart from herping like he's a two-time olympian yeah. played rugby for australia or something it's like how did you manage to do all this and then like yeah, discover a new species um probably didn't have facebook to like dick around on <laughs> That's right. the day. didn't have instagram to sit yeah. every night to scroll oh, through. yeah doom scrolling um <laughs> yeah but yeah it's like that whole um natural history so anyway we want to tell those stories um so we're sort of trying yep. to find so there's like if you jump onto netflix or amazon right now there's a whole bunch of documentaries that are like that blue chip high-end doco um yeah if you jump onto youtube there's sort of that um like youtube channel going out looking for animals and like there's a lot of that everywhere around the world um but and, th and then if you go to the states and europe there's sort of that mid-level documentary where it's like you can tell a lot of time and effort and a bit of money has gone into it but there's not much of that in australia like there's none of that mid-level sort of product and that's yeah. the sort of niche that we're trying to fill um but i feel like the first couple of episodes are going to be like pretty amateur just because it's like the first two like it's you have the first product that you make is never going to be great like yeah first enclosure i made wasn't square <laughs> and like they eventually got better um yeah so yeah like it's i'm sure the first episode will be not how we want it to look but i'm hoping it'll be pretty cool yeah but um it's one of those things like you've, you've got to start yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <clears throat> yeah and you've got the right idea too yeah yeah well i'm hoping people react to it because it's like we sort yeah. of want to get the 
natural history, like the real educational parts, but also like the journey to find said animal. And those yeah. are the people working with it to conserve them too. So like we want to have that history part, but also that modern section, like um, that was the other part I was about to say. So there's the Tiara Land Care. Um, so just for your listeners, Land Care, if you don't know, is like this uh, nationwide movement where the federal government gives um, funding to certain, to um, cancel groups to do environmental work within the catchment. Um, and Tiara is sort of where the Mary River, Mary River lies. And so it's, all, it's mostly people who have retired and just really love their community and love the landscape. They love their backyard, basically, or like yeah. their, uh, where they live. And so it is some people who a lot of them don't have a background in ecology trying to preserve what they find in their backyard. And I just think that's really cool. Like, yeah, yeah it's definitely. just like community conservation. You're like, fuck yeah, that's sick. Yeah. So there's that component that we want to tell as well. I'm looking forward to definitely seeing some of this come out because I'm any, I'm all for anything in the in Australia. You know, I love yes, seeing any sort of Australian documentaries, yeah. and that goes for not just the reptiles, but I love seeing the mammals and stuff like that because I don't yeah. think enough of that sort of stuff gets highlighted in Australian no. TV. I must and say, stuff. trying to like convince Jono to do like a script for like <laughs> something that's not a reptile is really difficult. I'm like, oh, so get this. <laughs> A tiny, tiny brown marsupial, and he's like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> Come on, it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, but like, if it's like some dumb larista from the middle of nowhere, he'll be like, "Yeah, sick." Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you were saying, Luke, and I sort of alluded to before. There's like, I don't think there's enough Australian content of that sort of mid-level that I'm Definitely. looking at, and like, I know a couple of people who do. But even at the high level, there isn't. Yeah, well. yeah, like, it's, there's really not. And like, I'm yeah. under no assumption that I can ever get to that. But it's like, man, it'd be great yeah. if there was more of it. Like, mm. um, yeah, the thing is, like, filming Australian animals is like quite difficult. Um, mm. Like, in <clears throat> comparative, like, say, Africa, where it's like, oh, the Serengeti. There's <laughs> just like yeah. a million animals that are large and diurnal. And yeah. Like, like I said, like even taking a photograph of a spotted tail quoll took me six months, and now I'm yeah. to, like I'm working on another project as well, where I'm trying to film spotted tail quolls, and it's like, fuck, why am I doing this to myself? Like, <laughs> <laughs> took six months to get a picture. <laughs> yeah. So now, like, yeah, it's already doing my head in, and but yeah. it'll like I'll get there. It's just going through the bullshit to get it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was. It's. I'm really excited for these projects to take off, and now we've got some funding. I don't know if I said that we got some funding um, oh, to sick. do Natural Australia expeditions. But like a component of that's like, like there's a delivery date, so it's like we've got to yep. do it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, There's a there's someone like with a whip hitting us now, which is kind of good in a way. Yeah, like you oh, said, you got that whip on you. Yeah, so, you know, definitely keeps me yeah. accountable. Um, yeah, so that's good. Um, and that's kind of what we wanted to uh, just to like actually like I don't know I don't know about you guys but do you ever get like heaps of project ideas that just never go anywhere? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, whew, I've got a lot of half-made things in my room, so yeah, yeah, I don't want this to just sort of try having kids it makes it even harder. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> not in my that's not in my plan, but I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. 
No, so do you have? Do you guys have like a find when you were herping that's just like that was really memorable and the, the best? Like things that really made you stoked. Looks yeah, a bit. I do like finding the Gillons after a couple of trips was an absolute game after changer for me. But a couple, it took you a while to get it. Hey. Yeah, yeah. You know, like <clears throat> that was that was super memorable for me. Um, you know, uh, we we were lucky enough to see an Owen Pelly Python on this trip too. Oh, but what the fuck? <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't talk about the Gillens. Let's back up here. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So, like. That was really special for me because I know how hard those things are to find, but I kind of wish we had to work a little harder to find it, like just a, even a little bit. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, we we got we got very lucky, and we when we started the walk, we found it within two minutes. Holy um, shit! <laughs> Don't like you should just stop that story and lie. Like <laughs> <laughs> it took us two hours. We climbed this. We climbed that. <laughs> yeah. Come up oh, with there's, the there's too many people that there's too pe- too many people that know the truth. So yeah, no, <laughs> like we were incredibly lucky, incredibly oh. lucky, and it was a it was a massive individual that didn't mind sticking around and and hanging out with us for a good while. So that is yeah. so rad. Yeah, we were very 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 lucky. Um, yeah, I think it, was, it would have been yeah about nine foot, like it was a decent sized snake. Yeah, that's yeah. rad. Congrats. Um, I hate you. <laughs> 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 like i say that and like i've never really spent the time looking for it i just know the significance of finding that is like holy shit but i know what you're saying too like sorry to cut you off of like no, right. working not working hard to find something and yeah. just like oh kind of takes the fun out of it like you almost feel guilty yeah yeah there's been i a- do because like so many people do spend their lives and, and busting their asses to find these things and you know like uh, like like Luke, who was on the trip, who was kind of taking us around on this trip, you know, like that was his tenth time looking for him or something like that. And when he finally got it, like, but even that's think, not that many times as well, like ten. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. But I think the biggest kick that I got out of it is like, I mean, I was fucking stoked. I'm not going to lie. Like being able to see that and experience that, I was like, you know, this is a trip I can't make all the time. So considering I was able to get it incredibly lucky but seeing how stoked luke was knowing that he'd put in more hours yeah. than me and stuff like that yeah, i was really right. excited for him yeah i'm trying to think of it oh okay so i had an equivalent where i found like mountain pygmy possums on like my first go and like yeah it's the like a critically endangered animal that only lives like yeah. at a certain altitude in a very certain habitat in the snowy mountains and some parts of victoria just like put the camera trap out one night came back the next day. I was like, yep, got it. See you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> like no effort whatsoever. And yeah. then I did like some physical trapping for it. I just rocked up after people put out the traps and I like just walked with them in the morning to collect traps. I'm like, oh yeah, we've got one right here. And then I went home. I didn't even help clean the traps. I was just like, see ya. <laughs> Done and dusted. <laughs> yeah. So I can, I know the feeling of like yeah. feeling slightly guilty, but fucking take it and run, man. But yeah, Gillen, yeah. tell me about it. Well, I mean, the, fir- the, f- the first trip that I went out on was with my wife. So that was like, you can imagine, my wife's not into it like I am. Like she was yeah. very tolerant, but you know, <laughs> she got she got pretty fed up with me, like pulling over every couple hundred meters to look at a patch of trees. Yeah. So, you know, I did that for like six days straight. So that kind of sent her up the wall a bit. But yeah, it was just, just putting in those hours and getting, you know, the time away from work to be able to go and look for them and, yeah. and all that. But yeah, it was really cool seeing the ones with with uh, a couple of guys that were into it 
like I am too, you know, like I think that made it even more worthwhile and we were nerding yeah. out taking UV readings and temp gun readings and all sorts of stuff. And it's just like, yeah, just trying to jam as much information into my head once That's we did really find cool. it. I like the way that you're taking all that outdoor herping field information and then bringing it back into your keeping i think that's very admirable yeah no like i i've got <laughs> it's crazy because i've built all these new enclosures for them which were already in the works prior to the trip but now after doing the trip i have like these master plans in my head that one day will come to fruition i hope but you know it's like just all these crazy ideas about you know how they might be nesting in trees and doing all this sort of stuff in um yeah yeah, just all these ideas floating around in my head. But I'm, yeah, it was, look, it was awesome to have it. I look forward to seeing that. That sounds cool. Because even if like, I don't know if you filmed any of that Gillen's trip and like putting it all together with like the build and then like yeah. it hopefully nesting where you want it to nest and getting the bugs out. Cool. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. What do you think? Jason, was there like a special find or is there a find that you guys are like nothing not for me at the moment <clears throat> i've only done a few a few trips like small ones locally mm. um obviously missed the two ones one that i was <laughs> planning the open belly. oh my yeah, god I know. I the know. thing is if you went they wouldn't have found it that's what i said to luke yeah i said you know if i went you wouldn't have found it but then obviously i was like talking with todd and uh, me and todd were planning the um the leaf tail so i was really keen to see the katie uh kda yep Obviously, like I was looking at papers, talking with Todd, trying to find the locations because obviously they don't like that's one of those ones that don't tell you where they are. So you've yeah. got to kind of work it out yourself. And then last minute, couldn't make it. Um, oh. But yeah, then I'm stoked they found one. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I said to Luke, I'm like, just make sure you send me pictures. Like, sound very if you get it, send me pictures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, when we were in the territory yeah. trip, like after we found the old Pelly Python, we went driving around trying to find all sorts of other things like Jamada and cave geckos and that. And I got this like one little patchy bit of 3G internet somewhere and I'm like holding my phone up just like Bob sending Bob Jason his own Pelly photo. Like we fucking oh, got one. Yeah. And even cave geckos because like I, I, oh, I used to get great. cave geckos as well. And yeah. like like that that was I, was, I was more keen to see the geckos on the trip. Obviously Luke wanted his gillens and that, but yeah. Do you guys um get like almost offended when people don't like the same animals you like like um for instance i was showing my mate just photos of like red bellies like he's from the states like red bellies and eastern browns and he's just like oh they look yeah. kind of shit and i was like <laughs> who the fuck do you think you are <laughs> like, <laughs> like where do you get off mate <laughs> yeah yeah like even just like some of australian geckos they're just, oh yeah it's not very interesting I'm like you are some of, yeah, yeah some of them like you look at him like oh that's cool i mean i love them all but yeah, yeah. i could see how people would have that thought with some of the geckos yeah i don't get offended by it because everyone's got something that they're into so yeah I so like, get so angry, <laughs> like irrationally angry. <laughs> and even I know I'm like, yeah, it's fine for them to have a different opinion. Do you think? Like, no, these animals are great. You have to say yeah. it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not too, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing bloke. So, you know, I'll just yeah. bite my tongue and oh, well, I'll find it myself then kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get those KDA out though. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. No, I think I've been chatting with a couple of people to plan another trip to yeah. nut them out and hopefully some of the fleurs as well. Um, maybe some of the southern leaf tails around <clears throat> southern Queensland as well. So Yeah, no, like they're, they're all pretty – like it's just getting to the right spot. That's the other yeah. thing about those 
uh, leafies, like in general for terriers and tourists, like once you know the habitat, yeah, you just got to get there and spend like a couple of nights eye shining. And most times you'll get them the first go if you're in the right area. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, they're a lot of fun. But um, I'm just trying to think of like a memorable find, like the most memorable find that I've had and, or me and my partner have had because we, we mostly do our hunting together. Yeah, um, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. I wish like, I had that for me. Yeah, same. <laughs> oh, it's like it's great and like there's obviously downsides to it because it's yeah. like it's awesome because I spend a lot of time with my fiancé and I don't have to like make any excuse. <laughs> yeah yeah but there's also like i don't yeah again there's no excuses there's no like yeah. oh i gotta get away and like not hang out with you or like she doesn't get annoyed stopping the car every 10 yeah. minutes although she doesn't like um like she doesn't like the crayfish that i look for <laughs> like she just like refuses to come. <laughs> it's like which i get because it's like yeah they are just a crayfish whatever yeah um but then yeah uh no that it's really good uh, doing those large trips but then obviously like spending a month in the car with anyone like yeah you can get testy <laughs> just because like, yeah. not sleeping as well and like yeah yeah sometimes you get back from like a herp trip you're like man i need a holiday from the herp trip uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah like because we both do a lot of field work like for work like she's an ecologist as well like we both get a lot of our own alone time just going to work <laughs> so like that, yeah. yeah that sort of counterbalance breaks that. up the monotony yeah. yeah um but yeah i think um finding a bushmaster that was that would have been awesome yeah it's one of those things that to what we were saying like i almost felt guilty about it too because um yeah it was it was kind of weird because um we went to the choco which is like this sort of bio region in ecuador which is like how they describe it it's like low lying rainforest old growth rainforest um between like the andes and then um like the so it's like the lower slope sorry um of this certain mountain range and it goes through ecuador and the choco and there's only like two percent of it left because it's just been like heavily logged and when you go there it's just like holy shit there are so many like i've never seen that many cool animals with like that amount of effort like it's just yeah like every time you go for a walk you're just like well that was fucking awesome like <laughs> that it was just sick cool. yeah um yeah and so anyway we got chatting to some of the like well like when we're planning this trip we got chatting to some of the um ecuadorian herpers and i was like do you ever guys just like go like road cruising or anything and like nah you never really find anything on the road and i was like okay that's weird um so i just had that in the back of my head like probably don't go do a walk on the road or go for a drive on the road yeah, and then it takes like it's a bit of a trip to get there. So like from Quito, which is the capital, you got to fly to another city, um, and then from that you take a four-wheel drive taxi. And I was kind of annoyed when they said four-wheel drive taxi. I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. But then you like literally do like three or four like river crossings. You're like, mm, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to take a boat and like two ferries, and then like it's like really out of the way. So yeah. there's like that adventure component that I was mentioning before. So it's like this is great. And um, you get there and you go out. We went out for a walk and we're finding heaps of cool shit. Like we're finding um, fertilance and um, a couple of different dart frogs, like poison dart frogs and um, howler monkeys. We had two cans like behind our 
um, accommodation and they would like, that's what we would wake up to. It was like, ah, oh, this awesome. is, yeah, this is brilliant. <laughs> like what a way to wake up. Um, and then you're like, you'd go out and there's just hummingbirds everywhere. It was pretty full on. And then, so anyway, we're getting um, kind of tired. So we're like, oh, why don't we just, like, we'll do something easy that doesn't involve, like, walking hills all night in the mud. So, like, we'll just go walk the road for a couple of hours and see if anything comes up. And we did it for, like, an hour, and we found this coral snake that was just fucking divine. Like, it's just a beautiful animal. Mm. And then um, got photos of that and kept walking. And then I just saw this, like, giant snake crossing the road, and I was like, is that... Is that a python? Like thinking, like because like yeah. we've got the Australian herper. It's like that. It's got to be like an olive python or something. That's giant. <laughs> and then we got there. Like that is a viper. And like when you we worked out, like it was a bushmaster. Oh, I was just like, there's a photo of me. Just like oh, yeah. my eyes are just like, oh Jesus, just like a crack addict or something. And then, <laughs> then then um yeah we because we had photos to like collect stuff as well. So we like took it back to our room and got some photos. Um, for that same field guy we mentioned. And then yeah. Yeah, we got the photos the next day and we're like talking to a few people from Ecuador. I'm like, dude, check it out. We found a Bushmaster and like no one would believe us until we like sent them photos. And like this one guy, Caesar, he's um, he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I've seen like six of them and never in that location. It was just like the, yeah, I couldn't stop smiling. Like that trip, that whole trip was just like, like I'm not trying to be arrogant or if it's like we killed it. Like we just found like everything yeah. fucking sick that you could, and like I know a lot of people who've done those same locations and not found like even half as much. And that's not because like me and Jasmine are super good herpers or anything like. That. It's like we just got super lucky with so many yeah. things. And it was like yeah, like yeah, it was a great trip. Like I proposed to her on that trip too. So it was like oh, oh yeah. that that minor thing was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of like the top trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like nothing has yeah. like bested that yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was insane. And like made some really cool friends there and just fucking awesome animals. And it's like, it's got a bit of like, Ecuador has got like a bit of everything too. It's kind of like Australia where it's like one country, but it's got rainforest. It's got like giant wetlands. It's got a bit of desert. It's got a bit yeah um of mountains like obviously the andes is a bit more impressive than the great dividing range but anyway <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> yeah that was the other thing like i've never seen a real mountain before until i went to yeah. Ecuador, and i was like Fuck, that's, yeah <laughs> yeah that's literally it's like yeah. man that's i never really understood why people liked we have mountains. hills yeah yeah <laughs> like, this is stunning like what a gorgeous landscape yeah um, yeah it was brilliant i would I'm fine. I'm trying to find a way to move there, but it's exceedingly difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do love getting out overseas when you can as well to check out some of these things, you know. I did Africa and that was an absolute eye opener to me. Yeah, when did you do that? Obviously not in the last two years, but <laughs> No, I did it in two thousand seventeen for my honeymoon. Oh, brilliant. Where'd you where yeah. else did you go? Uh went through Kruger, Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe. Uh, yeah, did a few places. Yeah, I'm almost like actively avoiding Africa because I know it's really good. You won't like, come back. Yeah, exactly. It's just everyone who says like, once you go there, like you'll get it. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we were pretty keen to sell, sell all of our worldly possessions and stay there. 
So. Yeah. Fuck, I just spilled a bunch of beer. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Cool. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people who have... Do you guys know Shannon Wilde? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think she was the same. Like, went to Africa one time. She's like, all right, I'm going to marry this guy and live here. <laughs> like, yeah. She's still I'm over sure there, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, there's a bit more to that story, yeah. obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah, but she definitely is not coming back to Australia by the sound yeah. of it. Um, yeah, she's living there and doing heaps of cool shit. Like, she's done a few docos for that geo and yeah. has yeah. done really well. Awesome she's like boy. one of the people that I'm just like, I look up to her so much. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's that. If I could do that, I'd be, st- I'd be stoked. Yeah, such a yep. good lifestyle, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Although, in saying that, I don't know if it's like I want to... There's a part of, like, looking for animals for work that sort of kills it. Like, um... Yeah. Yeah, like, it's sometimes it's good just to keep things as a hobby because it takes the pressure off, like, always doing mm. something. It takes a joy out of a little bit yeah. as well. Yeah, so, like, even... With herping as well, that was like one of the things, because I do it a lot for work. It's like, uh, I don't really want to always, like, because like, we do a lot of like Delma Dequada, Yakka Skink, um, what else is there? Ornamental snake surveys. And it's like, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. And like I said, I spent like most of my 20s in the Brigolo, which is like a good place to go herping. Well, I don't really, I don't want to go back there. And then, yeah, like, even <laughs> like, this is how jaded I am. Um, my boss was like, oh, are you stoked for this koala and greater glider surveys? I'm like, I do this on the weekend, dude. It's really not that interesting. <laughs> like, this sounds shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just jaded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got people like, like me, like I'm, I'm a tradie, whereas I would probably love to do that as a job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But then it's like if you did it heaps, you'd kind of get it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. You'd do it for a bit and you'd be like, oh, I'm over this. Yeah. yeah I the think that's the same as any job. Like, man, exactly. Like even just this year, I was so close to getting burnt out just with the amount yeah. of field work. Like, because I've pretty much been in the field since October till about early April, like just coming yeah. home for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and like I remember being in my mid-20s where I was like I want to be an ecologist and I just want to do field work and that's it and now I yeah. had it and I'm like man I could really just like sleep <laughs> like yeah. I could just like hang out at home with my fiance yeah. for a bit and like pat the cats that'd be yeah. nice but yeah like I said it's always greener on the other side and you just got to oh, break 100%. it up find that balance but it's like when you go for a surf, you paddle out, looks good. And then you look down the beach and it looks even better. Yeah, so you yeah. go down there and you look where you just were and it looks even better with where I you're at now. Massive FOMO too. Like um Yeah. Like obviously you guys know like um Lucky Golding and Max. Um yeah. and then like obviously Matt Tumbleville and Ross. Because whenever I see like I'll be on a trip. I was I remember being on a trip in Ecuador and seeing those guys go out and I was like fucking hell like <laughs> like getting upset that they're like not upset but like getting FOMO that they're finding cool stuff and I was like dude you're yeah. in Ecuador <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right yeah yeah you yeah, was like oh, what if they find the thing I'm looking for and I don't find it yeah kind of yeah there's a bit of that yeah. FOMO so yeah for sure um, yeah I don't know and that, that's it's trying like um sort of what I was getting at was like finding the adventure and finding the way that I like to look for animals is like, yeah. that's how I'm trying to get past the jadedness because yeah. Yeah. Like I obviously want to keep looking for animals, but it's got to be, it's got to make the trip fun. And like now that I'm a full-time worker, I can't like, 
every trip is a bit more valuable now because like it's yeah. not like I can just go whenever I feel like it. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Definitely. Trying to get to that stage where I um, understand exactly what I want to get out of a trip. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. You got anything else, Chase? Nah, man, that was that was <laughs> unreal. Eh? I just want to go herfing now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> about that. Like, yeah, I've got a few well, surveys coming up, so should nice. be good. I'll, I'll be better than me going pulling gables every day. But <laughs> oh, man, thanks heaps for coming on. That was so good. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Um, that was, that was awesome. Big... Just kicking back and listening to all those stories. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, dudes. Um, I really appreciate it. Especially, like, you see the caliber of the other guests coming on. It's like, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> awesome. No, I've, now I'm just going to have to start planning my trips to find leaf tails. Oh, yeah, let me know because um, I've seen a lot of those and I can sort of yeah. push in the right direction. And I think I was Definitely. speaking to Todd as well. So, I'm not happy yeah. Out. Yep. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Did you want to throw out any of your Instagram handles and stuff like that for oh, yeah, uh, sure. Natural Australia Expeditions and, and yourself? Um, yeah, for a person who's trying to get, get internet things. Um, <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, so Natural Australia Expeditions on Instagram, just search it, same of YouTube. Um, we haven't really put much online yet because we're still getting things out here. One of the hardest things yep. I've found as an adult is getting three grown adults in one spot to do something <laughs> that is yeah. impossible um so yeah that's coming up but then my personal accounts um Janico kelk there's only one of me so if you spell <laughs> my name right it comes up um yeah and it, uh, i'm on insta um and facebook but i'm mostly doing stuff on instagram and then i do a bit of work for south endeavor running their media if you like um land conservation and conservation stories and check that out just because they got some really cool locations and they do some really beautiful work protecting Australian landscapes and wildlife. Awesome. Oh, wicked stuff. Alrighty guys. Well, yeah, thank, thanks for coming on again, mate. I'll, mate, I'll uh, sign this off now. So we'd like to say a massive thank you to Eric and Owen and the rest of the NPR crew for having us. If you'd like to contact them, it's best to find them at moreliapythonradio.com and email them at info moreliapythonradio.com. Make sure to follow the NPR network on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. As far as contacting us on our social media platforms, you can email us at australianhepticulture at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Make sure to check out our Teespring store for podcast merch. The link is on the Facebook page. To see more of what Jason is doing, make sure to follow him on Facebook and Instagram at The Gecko Effect. For myself, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, and Teespring under Beach of Scaly Beasts. We hope to have you back next week for another episode of the Australian Hepticulture Podcast. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.